Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're going to spend a couple hours here right up till 5 o'clock here on the Great Northern Plains in the upper Midwest of the United States of America, talking about, uh, oh, local, state, national news, politics. Uh, We're going to take your calls today. It's going to be fun. We've got all kinds of cool stuff going on. There's amazing amounts of news. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be fun. And I promise we will engage in some energetic and entertaining conversation along the way. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters is here with us today, which is awesome because... If we're going to take calls, we need Dan. It's the way it goes. It's how it works, people. It's a it's a two man operation. Otherwise, chaos ensues. Things get tough. It's not pretty. Thanks for spending some time with us, though. We appreciate it. Whether you're out there driving around, listening to Information One Thousand KSOO, sitting in an office somewhere, maybe streaming live at KSO.com. Maybe you're out on the job site, working hard in the trades. We appreciate that as well using the KSO mobile app with the one-touch streaming. Remember, uh, when we can get Wi-Fi, I got it back up and running. I was up, and then we were down. Now we're back up on the Facebook Live and uh, had to had to do some patchwork there, had to, had to patch through through the Internet, some hacking. Maybe you're on our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show, where we should probably post uh, Uber producer Dan Peters that we are taking calls, 338-KSOO, 338-5766. If if you still uh, use eight hundred numbers, it's eight hundred eight eight. I'm sorry, eight 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 three three eight KSOO eight 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 three three eight KSOO. You just put the eight 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 on the front of three three eight KSOO, and there, bang, boom, toll free. But you know nobody does that anymore because we all use cell phones, and uh, you know, bye bye long distance, right? Bye bye landline. Uh, hey, I saw something today, though, Dan, before we get into it, that impressed me a great deal, and uh, I have never seen this before. I'm riding my bike, like I like to do, over to the office, over to the studio this afternoon, the palatial studios here at KSOO on out uh, southwest side, bucolic Sioux Falls, and I'm coming down the uh, west side of the bike trail there. Uh, Goose Central, as we like to call it, one of the many goose gathering spots. And there was a dude, a Parks and Recreation employee, out on the trail with uh, one of those big blower packs on his back. You know what I mean? Like a leaf blower, only one that you carry around, like a kind of a jet pack situation. A canister kind yeah. of thing? Okay. It's big. And he's, and he's not just cleaning the trail because he's also got a shovel. He's removing the goose droppings. The plethora of goose droppings from the trail. Great gobs of goose grease. <laughs> and there were great, there's always great gobs of goose grease. And uh, this shocked me for a couple of reasons. One, that is a, that's a high level of customer service right there from our uh, Parks and Recreation Department. That's going above and beyond. With a shovel in one hand and the blower in the other. And he's, you know, he's, the little bits will fly. And then the big bits, he's kind of scrapes off and boop. Did he have the proper eyewear yes, while doing this? Oh, very good. He did. He was wearing safety uh, eye, eye, eye coverage, and I, I did notice that. Uh, I, that blew me away. Now, I wouldn't have blamed the guy if he'd had, like, one of those Star-Lord masks from the Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy, like, <laughs> and, and, you know, full facial coverage because of what he was working with. That would be awesome. Guardians of the Galaxy is a fantastic movie, by the way. Um the but I yo kudos to the parks department for getting out there. I you know because people complain about the geese. There's nothing you can do about geese, really. I mean there are. I've maintained for many years now we should have the goose fest where it's fair game. All right, you can take out a goose however you want, and 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 every restaurant in town who wants to participate can have like goose dishes, and we'll have a competition. Probably be some uh, cream of mushroom soup involved, but you know why not? We got so many geese in this town that th- there's there's no way that's not a not a good idea. No way. Take out the geese. But, you know, so the parks department failing that, they're out there making life better for the citizens of Sioux Falls. And that's just, you know, thank you. Thank you parks department for doing that. That's huge. 
I can't imagine. I, I figured they just let it rain, you know. They have the, they got a little cart thing. I mean, they plow it in the winter, which is great. And then they have this little uh, uh, trailer deal that they put behind a, a tractor of some sort, utility vehicle, and, and they, they'll blow off the big chunks of leaves and, and that kind of stuff to, you know, keep it safe. But, you know, goose dung, that, I mean, out there with a shovel, walking, walking it, and blowing away the goose dung. Yeah, and there's just, there's just a perpetual tide of that stuff to be showing up on there because th- those things can go off at any time. <laughs> yes, they can. And they do. They do go off at any time. Uh, so uh, thank you, Parks Department. And uh, we appreciate it, the, us users of the trail system. And uh, they're getting very close, by the way, to opening the Western Spur, the latest Western Spur there uh, near the golf courses, uh, the country clubs over on the west side of the loop uh, that there's a, they put in a flood control dam there several years ago, and now they have negotiated some sort of settlement with the Country Club of Sioux Falls, formerly known as Westward Ho, and there's going to be a spur. It's all laid down. It's all constructed, and they're putting in the, the accoutrement on it out there, and then they're going to open that baby up. But the trail, I think, is done between the river, the, big Sioux, the confluence of the Big Sioux and the Skunker, and then this, this bad boy goes down the uh, north side of the Skunker, all the way down to Dunham. And then, so that cuts, that opens up the, the fabled uh, uh, Midtown pathway. Yeah, because before you'd have to go all the way down to 41st Street. Yep. And if you wanted to get on the south side of Skunk Creek yep. where the trail yep. was. And it was a, you know, it was, it was a couple of miles. So this, if you're, say you're a bike commuter and you're coming in from the west side, cuts a couple of miles off your potential commute. And that's a, you know, if you're riding every day, that's quite a bit. Or just, I mean, it just opens up that side of town for people to uh, be able to ride into ride into the center of the city, or people from the center of the city go out and uh, get to the whole Lake Lorraine area out there now, very accessible. So that's just awesome. It's very close. The gate was open the other day, and they kind of scared me into thinking it was done, but then they closed it again. So we'll see. I'm sure it's very soon. We'll, we're awaiting the announcement on that from the city when the when, when the Skunk Creek spur will be done, and that brings us up to something in the range of like. 35 miles of, of the paved trail system just that's all part of that same network. I mean, that's a lot. That is a lot of trail for our fine city. So kudos to our city for doing that and uh, coming up with an agreement. Now, they had to drop it down off the levee over there to, um, as I assume, as part of their agreement with the, the, the country club of Sioux Falls, formerly known as Westward Ho. So that they wouldn't disturb the golfers, so which is fine. I got no quarrel with that. It'll flood probably someday, but for the most part, it's good. Good on them. So things are looking up. See, I got good news. Sometimes people think I just complain, 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 right? But i i bring the I bring the sunshine on occasion, Dan. That's like the baby powder on the bottom to for that soothing feel that we need for the day. Yes, that the bike. This is the soothing part of the day. This is the baby powder on. This is the powder on the baby's butt part of the day. <laughs> Wait, uh, let me rethink that. No, it's soothing anyway. So that's good. Uh, speaking of soothing, we do have a fantastic show, including calls from you, good people. We don't do this very often, and I I will explain to you why here in a little bit. Um, but we've wanted to do this for a while, Dan and I. We talk about it all the time. And we just never have, we never, we, we have so many guests and things to talk about, we just never clear the decks. So here's how it's going to work. So our main guest today is our old friend, Tony Reese, Republican political consultant, cotton candy aficionado, and fancy sweater connoisseur, Tony Reese. Uh, he's going to be in here. We'll be talking politics and stuff, but we just like talking to Tony. Um, we'll take your calls during when Tony's here too, because he's, he is a, uh, a font of knowledge, but uh, we, um, we had an unfortunate uh, scratch in the uh, Weird Friends segment of the day. Our traditional 3.30 time slot. Just n- nobody's fault. Just things, vacations, things just get a little crazy. And I also want to take this. Tomorrow, we are introducing the debut of a brand new Weird Friend. So there'll be more details on that tomorrow, but... So 3.30, well, we'll take them anytime, all day. 
after the PNL, which is coming up after the break here, after the PNL, taking calls all day, talking about the news, a lot going on with Russia, with the Red Sparrow. Got some. We're gonna talk a little bit about that after the break here, but uh, you know, there's all kinds of local stuff going on with the whole uh, uh, collapse of the Copper Lounge, the Hulkin Construction going bankrupt. Um, we've got a new flag. Uh, we've got a new plan for safety at Falls Park. Good stuff. Teresa Staley's going to be on tomorrow, by the way. There's a little preview for you. So that's your show. We love to hear from you. Participate. You can use the Twitter. We'll take we'll take questions on Twitter as well. I always want people to call up and and present an argument to me, and I will take the other side, no matter what it is. I'll do that. The the you're wrong, Mr. Lally show. We can do that. I'm cool with it. Just think about which one to do. 338-KSOO, 338-5766. Get your dialer ready. Cue them up. We'll be right back. After the break, we'll have the PL. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 321 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Yes, sir, yes, sir. We're getting a little closer to free today on the PL statement, looking through the news from around the nation and around the state, looking for the things that uh, perturb us, upset us, interest us, engage us, and make us very, very happy. Oh, and today it uh, goes back to Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. You know, because we can't get away from Russia, right? I want to remind you before I get into this, 338-KSOO, 338-5766, that's 338-5766, and uh, taking your calls all day. We're talking about the news, and uh, Tony Reese will be here later. He's a Republican political consultant and uh, always good for a conversation. But I want to talk a little bit about the story in the New York Times today, New York Times. From the start, Trump has muddied a clear message. Putin interfered. Uh, and this isn't breaking news, although I did just see breaking news from our friends at KSFY Television that uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said during the briefing today that the president has invited Vladimir Putin to the White House in the fall. We'll see if that happens. Um, so this was interesting to me because uh, it sort of puts everything into perspectives. perspective. Uh, some new reporting on the timeline and what the president knew about the uh, Russian meddling in the election. The lead on this story from David E. Sanger and Matthew Rosenberg, Dateline, Washington. Two weeks before his inauguration, Donald J. Trump was shown highly classified intelligence indicating that President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia had personally ordered complex cyber attacks to sway the 2016 American election. The evidence included texts and emails from Russian military officers and information gleaned from a top-secret source close to Mr. Putin who described to the CIA how the Kremlin decided to execute its campaign of hacking and disinformation. Mr. Trump sounded grudgingly convinced, according to several people who attended the intelligence briefing, but ever since, Mr. Trump has tried to cloud the very clear findings that he received on January 6, 2017, which his own intelligence leaders have unanimously endorsed. Okay, so what this story does is lays out very clearly the degree to which the president just sort of decides what to believe and what not to believe in terms of the information that he's given. And I'm disturbed by this because I think that you have to make decisions based on clear-headed facts when you're the president of the United States and you get to have policies and opinions and you get to direct the, 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 the direction of the country, the where we're going. Yes, that he's elected. He's the president. He gets to do that. But it disturbs me when everybody that is supposed to be telling you the facts, you choose not to believe it. So this story goes on. 
In the run-up to this week's ducking and weaving, Mr. Trump has done all he can to suggest other possible explanations for the hacks into the American political system. His fear, according to one of his closest aides who spoke on the condition of anonymity, is that any admission of even a unsuccessful Russian attempt to influence the 2016 vote raises questions about the legitimacy of his presidency. And there, that see, that's the issue. That's making a decision based on, on, on personal emotion, okay, and your own ego. This is not about the legitimacy of his presidency. Yes, there are questions about what people around him did and how they were perhaps used by the Russians. That could be possible that they were duped by the Russians. But much of much more concern is the degree to which they continue to attack us and we don't stand up to them. The January 6, 2017 meeting held at Trump Tower was a prime example. He was briefed that day by John O. Brennan, the CIA director, James R. Clapper Jr., the director of national intelligence, and Admiral Michael S. Rogers, the director of the National Security Agency and commander of United States Cyber Command. Now, I know on the right, folks are are vilifying Brennan and Clapper. That's fine. But these are not... Rubes, okay? James B. Comey was also there. And this is the meeting in which he privately told Mr. Trump about the Steele dossier, which, of course, has all its own iterations. According to nearly a dozen people who either attended the meeting with the president-elect or were later briefed on it, the four primary intelligence officials described the streams of intelligence that convinced them of Mr. Putin's role in the election interference They included stolen emails from the Democratic National Committee that had been seen in Russian military intelligence networks by the British, Dutch, and American intelligence services, officers of the Russian intelligence agency formerly known as the GRU had plotted with groups like WikiLeaks on how to release the email stash, and ultimately several human sources had confirmed Mr. Putin's own role. And it goes on about the one very highly placed who... Uh, even uh, Mr. Brennan did not um, refer to it in any way because he was worried about compromising that source. After the briefings, Mr. Prunt issued a statement later that day that sought to spread the blame for the meddling. He said Russia, China, and other countries outside groups and countries were launching cyber attacks against American government, businesses, and political organizations, including the DNC. Still, Mr. Trump said in his statement, there was absolutely no effect on the outcome of the election. And that's fine, okay? That's fine. Nobody is saying that there was an outcome on effect on the election. That's not really in question. There's no evidence of that. But what there is evidence is, of is a full-throated attack on our systems. And it goes on. Mr. Brennan later told Congress that he had no doubt where the attacks were coming from. I was convinced in the summer that the Russians were trying to interfere in the election. They were very aggressive. Now, of course, Brennan, Clapper, both from the Obama administration, that's fine. They left as soon as, he, as, soon as uh, Trump took over. The new president soon took to portraying them as political hacks who had warped the intelligence to provide Democrats with an excuse for Ms. Mrs. Clinton's loss in the election. In March, the Department of Homeland Security declared that Russia was targeting, this is this March, okay, this is this March. It's still going on. The Department of Homeland Security declared that Russia was targeting the American electric power grid, continuing to riddle it with malware that could be used to manipulate or shut down critical control systems. Intelligence officials have described it to Congress as a chief threat to American security. Just last week, Mr. Coates said that current cyber threats were, quote, blinking red and called Russia the most aggressive foreign actor, no question. And this quote from the current head of Homeland Security, Mr. Coates. They continue their efforts to undermine our democracy. From Mr. Ray, the head of the FBI, the current head of the FBI, Christopher Ray, says the Russian efforts are, quote, aimed at sowing discourse and divisiveness in this country, We haven't yet seen an effort to target specific election infrastructure at this time. We could be just a moment away from the next level. 
It's a threat we need to take extremely seriously and respond with a fierce determination and focus. But that's not what we're doing. In July 2017, just after meeting Mr. Putin for the first time, Mr. Trump told the New York Times reporter that the Russian president had made a persuasive case that Moscow's cyber skills were so good that the government's hackers would never have been caught. Therefore, Mr. Trump recounted from his conversation with Mr. Putin, Russia must not have been responsible. Well, he said they didn't do it, so they didn't do it, right? They didn't do it. Despite all the evidence from every expert you have, since then, Mr. Trump has routinely disparaged the intelligence about the Russian election interference. Under public pressure, as he was after his statements on Helsinki on Monday, he has periodically retreated. But even then, he has expressed confidence in his intelligence briefers, not in the content of the findings. That's what, this is what happened again this week, twice. So after Helsinki, Mr. Coates, in a statement, he deliberately did not get cleared at the White House that American intelligence agencies have no doubt that Russia was behind the 2016 hack. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And even yet, after Mr. Trump said that he had misspoken the one word and that he did believe that Russia interfered, he also added extemporaneously, could be other people also, a lot of people out there. Well, it could be, but we know it's the Russians. We know this, we know it. We know it. We know it. And despite what you'll hear from the guy who comes on after me, it's not a couple of 400-pound dudes in their basement. It is a coordinated, aggressive attack by the Russian government on our cyber systems. Election and otherwise. I don't care what you think about Trump. I don't care if you support him. I don't care if you don't. I don't. This is serious, okay? It's not a left-wing conspiracy. And you have to get rid of that before we can move forward. It's not about the election. It's not about Hillary, okay? It's about Vladimir Putin. He knows what he's doing. And you have to say it publicly. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me? Well, we're going to have the phones open here. 338 KSOO, 338 5766. Get on the phone. Get on the horn, people. Dan will chat with you. We'll get you on. You can use Twitter. You can use Facebook. We're, we're Facebook live in it. KSOO page. Chat with us there. Coming up after the news and weather, the slightly delayed news and weather, with Mr. Dan Peters. We'll get to it. Take your calls. Talk more about the news. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I rode into town on a crippled horse. Got fired from a cattle drive up north. The ropes of the gallows was swinging in the breeze. All the wanted posters had pictures of me. I got my Colt 45 right by my side. Oh, I'm the California kid. I hope you're quite prepared to die. I'm not the California kid. I am the South Dakota kid. This is uh, the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. But I do love me some beet farmers. And uh, that, of course, is Country Dick Montana on the lead vocals for the beet farmers. So anyhow, we've been talking about uh, uh, the news, right? The, the whole Russia thing. And now we've got our own little cut on it with our good friend, Paul Erickson. Okay, he's not my good friend. I can't even call him an acquaintance, but I know who he is because of my time in the news. But I want, uh, I'd like to hear from you guys, 338-KSOO, 338-5766, if you've got thoughts on the whole uh, Red Sparrow, that's what we're calling it now, the Red Sparrow incident, in which uh, Maria Butina, the accused Russian agent, is uh, with her connections to, uh, with, with her lover, Paul Erickson, South Dakota businessman Paul Erickson, he 56, she 29, turns out she's a spy. Whoops, whoops. 
And the latest, this is a story from Bloomberg News that uh, I believe came out yesterday uh, when she was, uh, she made her court appearance yesterday, the Red Sparrow, and uh, she wanted to get out of jail saying, no, she, I'm not going anywhere. And uh, this story talks about uh, how she, you know, is not going to get out of jail. But the other little uh, un- interesting note in this story for us here out on the Great Plains, out far from the uh, hub and the bub of uh, the Washington Capitol, is that during the bail hearing in Washington, prosecutors said they're conducting a fraud investigation of a U.S. political operative who had lived with Butina and provided access to an extensive network of Americans in position to influence political activities in the country. The 56-year-old American isn't named by prosecutors but matches the description of Paul Erickson, a lawyer who's been involved in several Republican presidential campaigns and has strong ties to the National Rifle Association. Erickson didn't immediately respond to a request for comment left on his mobile phone. I think he's probably under a hot light somewhere. That's, that's been my, uh, Paul, if you're in town, because Mr. Erickson does have a Sioux Falls address and a Washington address that he shared with Miss Butina until their lease was up at the end of the month. They had indicated that they were leaving town and we're going to come back to South Dakota. So, uh, Butina, 29, appeared in federal court on Wednesday wearing an orange jumpsuit over a white T-shirt. She pleaded not guilty to the conspiracy charge and operating as an unregistered agent of the Russian Federation in the U.S. Then this. She's willing to help in the fraud investigation in South Dakota, her lawyer told the judge. But that wasn't enough to persuade the magistrate to release Butina on bail. So, she's going to stay in jail, which is really too bad because, you know, if she was going to come hang out here, that would be awesome. One of the things I saw that was kind of funny is that uh, the government was arguing against her um, release because uh, they didn't want her to go to South Dakota because it would be much more difficult to track her whereabouts, which I found kind of funny because I think it would be easier to track her whereabouts in South Dakota than in Washington, D.C., right? You know, she's hanging out at the falls. You're like, oh, there she is. (laughs) What's she going to do? Go to pier? Go visit Mount Rushmore? You know? Come on. Let her come here. We'll take care of it. We'll just all keep an eye on her. It'll be fine. Feed her some chislick. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, chislick. And beets, just to make her feel at home. We'll, we'll roast up some beets. Some borscht. Borscht. Borscht with chislick. Take her down to Tyndall Tabor check days, maybe? Is that no? We missed we missed check days, didn't we? Yeah, check days was last month. Oh, okay. Still, we could get her some kolaches. We got Russians here. She could hang out. Our friend Corey Heidelberger knows Russian. He could chat with her. You know, just I'm sure there are other folks around town who know Russian, and some of the right. We could have a little thing. We could do a cultural experiment, not experiment, like an exchange thing, like you know, everybody get together and talk about Mother Russia. That'd be good. She's not going anywhere. I love this line from the story. The allegations against Boutina seem if they're ripped from popular culture, echoing facets of this year's thriller Red Sparrow, which is why I call it Red Sparrow. I'm not the first one. With Jennifer Lawrence, as well as the popular FX series, The Americans. That show was inspired by a 2010 case in New York when 10 Russian sleeper agents were arrested in the U.S. and expelled in a prisoner exchange after pleading guilty. Ah. Uh, Yes. And another twist, getting back to our friend Paul Erickson. He was uh, an executive producer in the 1988 action film Red Scorpion, in which a Soviet special forces soldier is sent on a mission to infiltrate an African rebel army and kill its leader, according to IMBD. There's lots of good stuff. In fact, I was talking yesterday about the uh, story I worked on with uh, the late David Kranz about Paul Erickson. He's a profile that we did of him in 2003 when he was trying to insert himself into the Daschle campaign, or not the Daschle campaign, but the, the election campaign to defeat Daschle. And uh, the Argus Leader, Argus Leader Media, reposted that story today. So you can go read that story um, on their website right now with some additional reporting by our friend Jonathan Ellis about what, what the good guy's been doing since and sort of where things had gone bad for him including getting sideways with the nephew of William F. Buckley. <laughs> Seems like a bad idea. 
just lots of the the history of uh, Mr. Erickson is just littered with one bad deal after another. You know, the Republicans don't like him. That's pretty clear. They want nothing to do with him. That's pretty clear. Lee Schoenbeck from Watertown, the Republican, former Republican legislator, is quoted as saying he took a job with the young Republicans and then never did anything except collect the check. So he's quite the character. Uh, what are your thoughts on this case, 338-KSOO, 338-5766? We can chat about that. We can also chat about uh, just, you know, President Trump in general and the whole Russian thing. It just keeps getting better. So apparently Putin, Vladimir Vladimir V. Putin, the El Presidente of the Russian Federation, will be here. Or I've invited him to come in the fall. So we'll see. Maybe the uh, uh, President Trump is trying to get a uh, get a, uh, a second chance. Truthfully, I think he's trolling the media. You think so? He's just oh dogging man! Him? I think he's just he is just taking the screwdriver and going yink. Turning the screw really? to the right. Really, you think he's doing that on purpose? I think so. Well, why? Yeah, I don't know about that. We'll talk about that and more. 338-KSOL, 338-5766. Give us a ring. We'll chat. We'll be right back after a very short break. Talk more about the news. Tony Reese will be with us after the top of the hour, and we can chat with Tony. And you can ask Tony questions about politics because he knows. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty-three on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. It's not the long flowing dress that you're in. Jason Isbell, we were when we were vampires. Great song from Jason. I'm going to go see Jason Isbell again at Red Rocks over the Labor Day weekend out in Denver. So I know you're all jealous. I can tell. I can tell. Uh, we're talking about politics and news here today on the Patrick Lally Show. You can call us up, 338-5766, 338-KSOO, and uh, talk about the news, the latest. Uh, I, of course, uh, chatted earlier about uh, the latest in the uh, Red Sparrow investigation involving our own uh, Paul Erickson. Our own. He's from South Dakota, and he's tied up in this deal. And uh, the latest in that is that there is, in fact, a fraud investigation been launched against Mr. Erickson. And uh, word has it on the street that uh, people here have been talked to. I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to outrun my coverage in terms of what I know on that. But uh, I know that I know people have been talked to. So, you know, things are not looking good for Mr. Erickson. I had a comment on Twitter earlier from uh, uh, Joseph who said it was odd because um, he thought when, in, in watching the national coverage of, of this whole issue that, uh, that Mr. Erickson was really being portrayed um, as, as kind of a dupe. You know what I mean? That, uh, you know, he said... Uh, I think at least nationally people are viewing Erickson as a victim where what I've heard firsthand with the local media is his political operations and business activities were usually on the fringe. It's interesting that he's being portrayed as a victim, a 56-year-old victim of a 29-year-old Red Sparrow inserted into this country. She uh, apparently had no problem uh, offering sexual favors for other, you know, opportunities shall we say it's kind of vague in the documents but she clearly has no problem uh using all her wiles to get what she wants if we are to believe the government the government the intelligence agencies the deep state you know dan you were saying earlier you think that uh, trump is tweaking the media you think that is act- you you think that he does these things on purpose, like tact, uh, strategically. I remember reading an article about some of the psychology of what Trump does, and this is not new to him as ascending to the office mm-hmm. of president. Yeah, but he loves to drive people crazy. Well, sure, people who have known him for years. 
he will do things to drive people crazy because he just loves the attention because of it. Yeah. Like, you know, posing as his own press agent on the Stern Show. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> well, you, you don't get to that you don't get to that status without having some semblance of ego. And oh, that's just yeah. no, one that's it. facet of, of his ego that he expresses and and you know and you can you can discount it or you can you can hate it, but that is a part of what Donald Trump is. Yeah, I think that's probably true. We're gonna come right back after the news and weather at the top of the hour and talk with Tony Reese. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and I'm very happy to welcome back into the KSO studio our old friend and frequent contributor, GOP political analyst, KSO political analyst from the GOP side, Tony Reese. Tony, thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for having me, Patrick. It's good. It's good to be back on a beautiful July day we've beat the heat got a nice breeze outside yeah and you, you still haven't gone to the sweater i've not no well the earliest i've ever gone to a sweater and i was working in duluth minnesota i think i had to go buy one in august oh for sure yeah it was just cold i think i actually saw flurries that afternoon it was, just, <laughs> it was bad doing? when were you in duluth i uh was helping run um Rod Grams uh, is a former U.S. senator. He's running for the House again back in 2006. Was up there uh, serving as his political director. Um, it was a good summer, a fun summer up in Duluth. It's a naturally air-conditioned city. Um, yes. Our campaign office was up on the hill away from the lake in downtown, but uh, where I lived was close to downtown. And you just get that wonderful breeze. Oh, yeah. 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 It's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. You get a gorgeous uh, view as you sort of come down. There's, a, I think it's central entrance is the name of the street a gorgeous view of uh of lake superior um looks like a coastal city um, it does. in the middle of the country you feel like you're in some sort of fishing village oh yeah for sure for and then sure. the really big um barges come through there the uh the the ships the ocean going ships come there and they have those really powerful horns. fog horns yeah yes. yeah it's impressive. No, I, I've got uh, uh, countless nights that uh, we would go out in Park Point and just watch in the distance the ships mm -hmm. uh, while popping back a few of uh, northern Minnesota's finest yeah. brews. Grain Belt. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, a summit if we had a yeah. good week. <laughs> <laughs> the celebratory summit beer. Um, so let's talk, let's get into the politics, okay? Um just in a broad sense, I mean, not casting aspersions like I normally do. Um, these are odd times. Doesn't it feel just a little bit weird to you? At times, it does feel a little bit, uh, a little bit weird to me. But weird isn't always isn't always bad. It's a. It's, sometimes it's very surreal, um, and I still uh, have a feeling of of surrealness. Uh, that Donald Trump is the president, mm -hmm. you know, coming from a guy who watched him on, you know, The Apprentice mm -hmm. and uh, had a talking action figure of him before he was president. Um, it still is a little bit um, surreal, and I think people are still somewhat adjusting to the surreality, if that's even a word, of it all. But this week it got um, a little weirder, weirder, I think, um, a little bit more surreal um, with some intrigue happening in the state with um, a state uh, GOP political yes. activist who is, um, as I describe to people, everywhere and nowhere all at once, um, yes. an intriguing uh, a gentleman. Maybe we don't know if it's him, Let's, Paul, well, Paul Erickson. The, the connection has been, we'll say this, the connection has been made between U.S. Person 1 in the indictment right. and the supporting materials and Paul Erickson. South, right. South Dakota uh, raised political operative of some measure involved in the Buchanan campaign in 92 was was uh, uh, 
uh, Bobbitt's, John Bobbitt's attorney. <laughs> that that much I don't think on I the, knew. On the he love, never disclosed that information no. to me when I met him. On the Love Hurts tour. Um, and you have met him. I so have met him a couple tell of us, times. Tell us when you met Paul Erickson and, and sort of what your impressions have been. So I first met uh, met him at a uh, Minneapolis GOP Republican lunch uh, years ago, five, six, seven years ago. Um, and we got to talking uh, we spent the afternoon just chatting, actually, at the Pizza Ranch after everybody left, and he told these fantastical stories. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, freedom fighting in Afghanistan, rebuilding the villages uh, in Afghanistan, you know, working in presidential campaigns, producing movies, doing all of this this stuff. And and I'm usually one who will, you know, people can exaggerate and embellish their record. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And I usually let that slide. And I thought, yeah, I talked to my wife after. I was like, those are some interesting stories. Mm-hmm. I bet you only about 1% is true. He's just overextending it. I'm a natural skeptic of uh, people's stories. Um, and then a uh, couple months later, a, uh, I did some deep Googling and started to connect the dots. And so much of what he was saying was true. I found you know, photos of him rebuilding mm-hmm. villages in Afghanistan and all of this history. Um, he never disclosed to me at that initial meeting uh, that he was executive producer of Red Scorpion with mm-hmm. Dolph Lundgren. Um, and so when I saw him again probably a year and a half later at the GOP state convention out in Rapid City, I uh, went up to him in one of the hospitality suites and said, so Paul, how is it like working with Dolph Lundgren? <laughs> As sort of a wink and a nod to, I've done my homework. Yeah, I know about you now, man. <laughs> um, and he told this this great story about how they got Dolph Lundgren to star in uh, Red Scorpion. They had written Red Scorpion. They haven't really filmed anything yet, but in order to go sell, they actually produced movie posters, according to him, and they just slapped Dolph Lundgren's face on it, on the posters. <laughs> um, and went to one of the film festivals, ended up selling some of it, convinced Dolph to come on to the movie, and... You know, the rest is eight, 1980s uh, Cold Cold War American history. IMBD history. It's it's up there now. Yeah, yeah. That was before IMBD was so big. Right. Well, and I was shocked then to see, oh, wow, Jack Abramoff was the writer of the movie. Um, which was I didn't just, know that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just crazy. Oh, I was my like, God. geez. And I was like, now I kind of want to kind of got to see this you can't you, you you can't be a young conservative and look up to reagan and not maybe go see red scorpion yeah that's right so many of these uh names. how was the movie i haven't watched it oh, okay. <laughs> it was a fleeting moment oh, okay um we're gonna come right back and talk more with tony reese gop our gop political analyst you, you can be the official ksoo gop political analyst how's that sound if it gets me a blue twitter check mark if it gets me a blue twitter check mark i'm okay with it yeah <laughs> That's great. (laughs) Um, We'll come right back after this, and uh, maybe we'll talk more about Paul Erickson. And uh, take your calls, 338-KSOO, 338-5766. If you have a question for GOP political analyst Tony Reese, we'll be right back. This is Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. He's changed. Four twenty on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and we are chatting with the one, the only, the KSOO GOP political analyst Tony Reese. Tony, thanks, uh, thanks uh, for being here today. I mentioned that earlier and hanging out through this rather long break. You could have gone up and left, but you didn't. I appreciate that. <laughs> I got nowhere to go. <laughs> I got, I got nowhere else. I got to nowhere go. else to be right now. Um, the uh, we were let's let's continue this conversation about Paul Erickson because um, actually you're one of the few people who has spent a lot of there are a lot of people who know Paul Erickson. This is the guy who is the 56 uh, year old guy who everybody believes is U.S. person one in the indictment against Maria Butina, the Red Sparrow. You you we were talking earlier. You spent some time talking to the guy. And telling the in these fantastical stories about Afghanistan and Nicaragua, and a lot of people, I think, hear those stories and just don't. They just think it's all made up. But you, you think there's some validity to what he's saying? Well, yeah, I think there's some validity, uh, you know, to what he's to what he's saying. And uh, you know, I mean, there's photographic evidence of him of him doing this stuff. You know, I don't know how, you know, heavily involved or, or what his other ventures are, but certainly his political ventures. Seems to be at least, you know, on the surface, um, some validity to it. I don't know, you know, how much of it's fluffed or embellished, but uh, there's, you know, validity. The uh, the thing about it is, it seems like a guy though that, like you say, you see him at places, 
and he's in politics, uh, very politically involved, but he's not involved in South Dakota politics. It's kind of a strange, he, he really, he just goes to stuff, right? I mean, that's, that's my experience with him. Um, you know, I've got a, another story. My wife has had more interactions uh, with him and she was working at the, the Argus leader. She actually sat just like mm-hmm. shared this little narrow cube hallway. She called it the cul-de-sac where David Kranz was mm-hmm. at the very end of it. So her desk was right next to David. She got to know David, uh, uh, quite well and she was saying i've got a question for you. she goes when i was in crs she goes there was this guy who was we would see him at the state convention here he would show up to a uh, the cr sdsu meeting college republicans college republicans thank yeah. you and uh you know we went out to the college republican national convention he was there i went out to you know leadership institute he was he was there he was you know buying us drinks at the bar and david goes describe him and she goes you know he's tall lanky he's Kind of bald, but got like Q-tip mm-hmm. hair. And David reaches behind, pulls out the paper, says, "This guy." <laughs> and on the yeah. front page is a full <laughs> body shot of Paul Erickson. Yeah. I think it was the uh, "Why does this man want to take down yep. Dash or whatever?" Yeah. The, 2003. The, yeah, the 2003. Uh, it was uh, May of 2003. Yeah. yeah. And so she's like, "That's, That's him. The guy. <laughs> That's the guy." Um, you know, so he he is yeah. Like I mentioned, he's like he's everywhere, nowhere. All the ones if you want to if you want to find him, your your best hope is not to look for him. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he'll just show up. Yeah, he'll just show up. The last I know, and I wasn't in the state at the time um, you know, of him being super involved. I got I don't even know how involved based on stories I've read now was back in two thousand three um, during the Dune Dashel race. Otherwise, he's just sort of popped up. Yeah. every once in a while. It was a great story. David wrote that story. Um, I edited it, actually, and uh, it was really fun to work on. But a uh, lot of people in that story telling all these. It really is kind of a crazy uh, tale, and it's been kind of fun to watch. But uh, it may have uh, all come to an end for Mr. Erickson. I mean, he's. Uh, well, this is come for an end, perhaps, for U.S. person number one. Yeah, that's right. Who we believe to be Paul Erickson. Um, uh, moving on. We'll get, we're going to move on. The. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about Russia, though, okay? And um, we mentioned earlier, it just seems like we're in crazy times. What what did you make of Helsinki? Was it really um, as damaging as folks have said afterwards? Obviously, a lot of people who don't like the president have been very critical of it, but some Republicans have expressed deep concerns because it's Russia. What are your thoughts? Uh, by the, we've got a long and complicated history with Russia. Um, my view is is to always go in with a little bit of distrust, or as Teddy Roosevelt says, trust but verify. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are allies in World War II, then our adversaries during the Cold War, you know, quasi-allies in the 90s after the breakup of the USSR, um, and and now we, I don't know what, you know, they are. Some people wanted to see them as adversaries. I think if nations around the world get along that's good for the globe especially when you're talking about two nuclear superpowers um the my thought on on Ru- the whole russia thing and I, I think you're probably alluding to the when the president admitted he misspoke yes and uh he went I mean, with the double negative i think instead. he i think he it was big of him to say that he misspoke um i'll take him at his word that he uh misspoke because if you look at the past record he has said you know russia did did interfere and did meddle did not have any sort of impact on the outcome of the election, um, and we should all remember that that meddling and influencing um, is, not, is not collusion. No, and, but there and, is a and clear that, and present danger. Is there not? There, sure, there is. Yeah, um, and I think you know, as Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, said that uh, you know, nations that can spy will spy, um, and the Russians have meddled uh, for a long time. Um, it's not an excuse. It's not not. You know, uh, saying it's okay um, and it's not morally right to do, but they have meddled in a long time, and we've done the same, same too. I mean, I'd like to think that we're morally right on some of the stuff that we're, we're not a dictatorship. We're, we're not a dictatorship yep. um, at all, and <laughs> won't be ever. We've we've got a pretty fine system of checks and balances um, um, in there, and any time that uh, you know somebody tries to run for more than you know, two terms for the presidency, I think uh, the people said, well, hold, no, that's, hold, that's hold on, hold on. That's not going to work anymore. Um, but our, our history with Russia is long um, and complicated. And I see, 
uh, President Trump's interactions with uh, with Russia um, really is no almost no difference than the interactions of all of the presidents um, since the turn of the century, since 2000. Bush had a soft spot for Russia. Um, you know, I believe he said that he looked into Putin's eyes and saw his soul. Um, That's because uh, Putin took his soul. President, President, <laughs> President Trump um, leaning over to Medved, you know, tell him I'll have more flexibility after the election. And Medved says he'll transmit that to Vladimir. Um, the only, the only sort of U.S. politician or U.S. presidential candidate that I've seen um, in the past elections that has sort of given a different analysis of Russia, oh, and also Obama saying to Mitt Romney that, uh, you know, the 80s called they want their foreign policy back when Romney said that Russia is a, a mm-hmm. biggest uh, geopolitical foe, which turns out now is true that Obama is no longer president. Well, they're but, not our but, biggest but, geopolitical uh, foe. It's probably still China. But yeah, go ahead. But. But also, uh, you know, uh, Senator McCain um, sort of riffing on uh, President Bush as I looked into Putin's eyes and I saw his soul. I think McCain probably got it right when he said I looked into Putin's eyes and I saw KGB. <laughs> um, right. You know, and it's it's funny. There's this this book I've got on our coffee table of uh, photographs from the Reagan administration from the uh, White House photographer. And there's the great picture of uh, the president and Mrs. Reagan and um you know, in the square in Moscow with mm-hmm. the St. Basil's Cathedral in the mm-hmm. background, and there's this guy who looks just like Putin um, as a tourist. Um, and I should have brought it in, but uh, Elizabeth, my wife, this morning, she goes, she goes, what do you think uh, Reagan would be saying about all of this today? And I said, well, this is probably what he would be saying. Well, look at that. Isn't that great? After Russia is now a democracy, that tourist I met in Moscow all those years ago became president. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to come right back after the news and weather and chat more with Tony Reese, KSO GOP political analyst, and uh, see where we can go from here. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and uh, we have Tony Reese, uh, KSOO's GOP political consultant, analyst, analyst. Guys, screwed that up again. Geo- Republican analyst Tony Reese, and uh, he. We've we've talked about uh, the Red Sparrow situation with Paul Erickson. Talked a little bit about El Trumpo. Um, let's talk about uh, state politics. So last time you were here, well, before, before whoa, we do whoa, that, whoa, I, 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 I want to I wanted to say one thing because you mentioned the Red Sparrow. Um, it may be time for the Russians to sort of change their model of what they're looking for for <laughs> intelligence agents. <laughs> yeah, Wasn't it in 2008 right. when uh, where that cute redhead got yep. arrested in New yep. York, and now this cute redhead? Yep. <laughs> and then uh, and the movie, you know, the, mo- the movie, the, the and, movie is based on reality, uh, and then they just send another one over. It's like, oh, it can't be. It w- she has maybe, maybe blonde next time, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If we fall for it again, then we know we're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it, Dan. Thank you very much for that perspective. Um, uh, let's start. By the way, you uh, posted and tagged us on Twitter this photo that you were talking about earlier yeah. with, with Vladimir Putin in it. It's clearly Vladimir Putin. Yeah. It's Posing as a terrorist or a tourist, <laughs> not a terrorist, a tourist. That's crazy. Yeah. So if yeah, you want to see a, that photo, yeah, it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting photo. I also linked. Uh, Washington Post had a story about is this Putin back in 1988 when uh, the president and Mrs. Reagan were in Red Square. It's That's, just it's a fascinating photo. It's Putin with hair. It's clearly him. It with very it very it very much looks like you know a young Putin you nah. know taking his. Uh, the young family uh, travels to see the big city, apparently. <laughs> um, let's talk about state races a little bit. Uh, since the last time you were here, I think you were, were you here before or after the primary? I can't remember. I think it was after. Right. Was it before? It was right around. I don't know. It was around the primary. Uh, so we've settled in now. Everybody's, we know who all our candidates are. Well. The we, Democrats have to go back and redo their convention. Right, right. So we don't know who all the candidates are. <laughs> We at least know know who the top of the ticket is. That'll be an interesting, um, an interesting thing to to see. I mean, if there is, you know, I've always said that you know Billy Sutton I think represents the Democrats' best chance. I don't mm-hmm. think the Democrats' best chance though is quite good enough to win the governor's mansion um, uh, this year. But um, to have um, him to sort of take a bold move and bring in a re, you know a Republican, a traditionally a Republican, mm-hmm. um, a business person to be his running mate, and then to 
have the party not file the proper paperwork. <laughs> and it throws everything, you know, up in the air. And, you know, from the, some activists and, and folks that I've heard from uh, that I know that, you know, they weren't exactly happy with the choice. Um, and so, I mean, that's just probably, that's not another, you know, fight or, or un, unease, I think, that that campaign particularly is <laughs> looking for. Because um, they're doing it in August, that close to really when the kickoff of campaign season starts. Yeah, and it's just a, it just doesn't look good. And it, no, it doesn't fire up your base and all those things that you need to do to be able to run an underdog campaign, which nobody doubts it, it is. Do you think that adding uh, Michelle Laval- I Michelle, I'm sorry. I, every time. Lavalle. 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 I know think Michelle. Of, I just like think Michelle. Of like, it's sort of Spanglish or it's not that Frenchlish f- for the valley. It's also Lavalle. not that far off of Lally. For the love of no, God. It's not. It's just one letter. <laughs> I know. And so I should be able to fight through this. It's, these are my my burdens to bear. Do you think that adding Michelle to the uh, ticket will swing voters? Just plain and simple. Does it help? I think that uh, lieutenant governor choices don't always necessarily help. I think people are voting for the top of the ticket, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think it hurts either. Certainly, I don't think that there are going to be voters that are... Um, detracted from the Sun campaign because of his choice for mm-hmm. lieutenant governor. Um, and I, she certainly brings um, some some balance, I think, to the ticket. I think that's what a lot of uh, gubernatorial candidates look for, whether it's in the case of Nome and Rodin. I think some geographic balance. I think that uh, the Sutton-LaValle team sort of brings sort of a rural-urban balance. Um, it certainly helps uh, Billy uh, get in connect with some of her connections which are are wide and vast um, throughout the Sioux Falls area and her ability to raise money right yeah there are some people who I mean if they're they're not going to give money to Billy Sutton regardless of who his running mate is you know so that doesn't mean like all the coffers open up but certainly she has connections she certainly does have connections and you know and a lot of times politics is personal and Mm -hmm. you know I wouldn't be surprised in the next filing uh, period if you see you know some of the bigger names that we know sort of you know donating to both kind of hedging it's like we saw in the primary they would Mm -hmm. donate to every candidate kind of hedge their hedge their bets a little bit but uh, you know Michelle certainly has got a a lot of connections from my understanding uh, throughout the uh, throughout the Sioux Empire it's got a you know a long and storied history here in the state and um, it'll be definitely uh, definitely interesting um, to see for sure how that all plays out Uh, my observation of this uh, race so you got Christy Nome with Larry Roden and then you got Billy Sutton and Michelle. LaValle. LaValle. I want you to say thank you. <laughs> you need the practice. <laughs> it's going to be a long season. A uh, lot of cowboy hats. That's, lot of co- I, that's my prediction. A lot of cowboy hats. Yep. Because Larry will wear a suit, but he will also wear a cowboy hat. So. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, you know, Larry does look good in a suit, but he looks a lot more comfortable in jeans and a belt buckle. Um, you know, the same way I think Billy and, uh, and, and Christy, you know, all do. Yeah. I would just implore, um, you know, Michelle, if you're not comfortable in a cowboy hat, it does show. Do We've it. seen photos of the Sioux, former Sioux Falls mayor in a cowboy hat. It, and it shows if you're not comfortable. Especially in a when hat. it's on backwards. Right. Well, he's trying to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's an urban it, cowboy, that's right? That's not how it goes. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, she shouldn't. I, well, she could probably pull it off. I'm she not could, saying she couldn't, right? But if it goes, there's a risk factor there when you start, and you know why. And I've said this many times: hat hair. And that well, yeah, I don't have that problem, right? You say, you're you're one of the lucky ones. I uh, but you know, the, just you know, I mean, it took me six months to decide if cowboy boots were going to be my thing. If I could pull off cowboy boots, it, I mean, it is. Can Western, you? West, I, I can, I think. Okay. Western wear is a, if it, there is a risk factor. If you're not comfortable in Western wear, you don't know how to wear Western wear, mm-hmm. you should just stay clear of Western wear. You know who can pull off Western wear? Dan Peters. I believe that. Yeah. He's got I the, can. He's got the cred. He's got street cred for cowboy wear, Western wear. I see that in his fleece jacket right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> We're going to come right back after this break and talk more with Tony Reese, the KSOO Republican analyst, political analyst. It's good times. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe the sun will shine today. The 
clouds will blow away. 448 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSO. We're quite lucky to have in the studio today the KSOO Republican political analyst, Tony Reese. We haven't even gone into sweaters or cotton candy or any of the stuff that we normally talk about. And now we're out of time because we've got to talk about politics. The um, uh, Let's talk about the AG's race because I, this kind of fascinates me. We haven't had a real AG's race in the state, Attorney General. For a long time. And we have a pretty good one. Jason Roundsburg, the Republican, a uh, very well-known guy in Republican circles, but maybe not in the broader public. And uh, Randy Seiler, who was U.S. attorney and assistant U.S. attorney, apparently well-funded, smart guy. Both are very good candidates. What do you think of this race? Obviously, you're Republican. You're going to say Roundsburg's going to win. But Roundsburg's going to win. Let's move on. <laughs> um, Next race. <laughs> No, I think you're right. It's it's going to be, I think, one of the, the I think most people are going to be paying attention to the House race and to the governor's race. And I think that uh, I think the, the AG's race could really heat up um, into something. I do. I do think that it is that it's Roundsburg. I think he's going to have to work for it. He's he's got the chops to work for it. He's, uh, you know, worked very hard and um, to become AG beat off uh, to uh, or be back to. Um, opponents from a more right-wing mm-hmm. um, fringe faction of the Republican Party, um, you know, and both, you know, well-known within their own uh, respected circles. But both uh, really West River guys. Both we- both West River guys, and, um, you know, I mean, and Jason actually came close to getting the 50. the 50% needed on the first ballot. Um, which would have been would have been huge at convention at, co- at convention yeah works. yeah yep. at convention and uh, you know and he worked at it uh, you know for two years uh, meeting with the Republican delegates and getting to know uh, each of the county chairs on a real personal level probably could go through the room and name everyone uh, mm-hmm. by name um, so he worked really really hard at becoming uh, the AG's candidate now. Uh, Siler, we don't know if he's actually going to get the nomination come August. That could all change, Patrick. <laughs> That's right, because he, I mean, he had a he had a convention they, yeah. challenge. Yep. So that that could change. It all depends on who shows up in in August and if they file the paperwork right again. Um, this next, they time, may which, not have any candidates, right? They, so, so, but I I think that you know it 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 could be it could be a race. I think that when um when people when it comes down to it, uh. I think that some people who are sort of pontificating on the race or trying to read tea leaves underestimate the power of the R next to a name on the on the AG's uh, side. But there is some. I mean, there's been a little bit of uh, I don't want to say staining of the R, but more attention paid to the Attorney General's office in because of not anything necessarily that Marty Jackley did, but because of all the high profile uh, uh, controversies. And so the AG got office kind of got pulled into that. So there is a, maybe a little more um, observation and interest in this race than there has been. I think that's I think that's probably true. And I think, you know, both candidates, you know, stand uh, to benefit from not having been um, in the uh, yep. AG's office. Yep. They were never both outsiders, yep. both outsiders. So trying to, you know, for some to try to connect any of those sort of controversies, um, Two out of those candidates, it's it's going to be sort of a moot point um, and, and easily, um, you know, because they weren't there. They were private citizens yeah. uh, for the most part. Um, I would say that, you know, for, for Republicans or people who, who lean Republican as you're, as you're looking at this, um, you know, we know that we're going to have a um, Christy Nome likely to be elected governor. Um, and um, we'll say that uh, Sutton is the underdog. That's yeah, fair. Right. Okay. And uh it, my reading of it is is should mm-hmm. win, and okay. if if we've got a governor gnome, we're going to want a strong um, a partner in the AG's office, um, you know, as as well. And to we're going to also you know want a an AG who's not going to you know bring the state into silly lawsuits against the federal government over tax cuts like we're seeing with some of the Democrat. How about uh, silly states. silly lawsuits against the federal government over? A lot of other things that we got involved. Well, I don't with. think social that, issues. Well, I, I don't. I don't think we ought to be having silly lawsuits <laughs> against the federal government over over social. That's a, that's a fair point. You know, I brought yeah. it up. That's a yeah. fair point. I, you know, I think that you know we want you know an AG who's going to you know help you know enforce the law and go after go after the bad guys and not. But try that's to get, Siler's got a he's got a good record of, he's, of and as and he are you surprised as, that he's able to raise as much money as he has? No, 
No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I haven't looked at his financial reports. I don't know how much of the money's coming from in-state versus out-of-state. Yeah. So well, he knows um, a lot of people. He knows a lot of people. So I'm not I'm not surprised that uh, he's able to to raise some money. And he um, served under Marty Jackley. Yeah, I mean he's got cred. So it's just it is a race for the AG like we have not seen in my lifetime. Is that fair? I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen all of the AG races in your lifetime. <laughs> How about your it's, lifetime? It's a race for the AG's office in South it, that that I haven't seen in, in South Dakota because I've lived here most of the time during the Jackley years. So, yeah. And there weren't really races. Well, to be, no, and, to that's, be that, and that's what I mean. Those, Democrats haven't had a candidate, sometimes no candidate. Sometimes it was Ron Valesky. And so those were the two. I don't know which one's worse. That's a fair. That's a no candidate may may have gotten more votes. <laughs> but uh, it, it'll it'll be interesting. That's one. That certainly is going to be one race. I think that people um, should pay attention to. Yep. Um, it'll be fun and watch. It'll and be we'll, fun. And when you come back next time, we'll talk more about the house race and all the rest of it. How's that sound? Sounds great. Cool. Uh, Tony Reese, he is KSO's Republican political analyst, and uh, we appreciate him being here. And uh, thanks, Tony. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Coming up. After the break, we'll finish up the show and talk about tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Don't forget, uh, this weekend is Jazz Fest. Friday and Saturday, We've got uh, Jimmy Vaughn and Taj Mahal on respective nights, but also downtown summer crazy days. Don't forget about that. Oh, it's awesome. Crazy days downtown. Go to the great outdoor store. You go to Zambro's. You go to kids play. It's just awesome. All the great merchants down there. So don't forget that. More events. Go to our calendar at KSO.com. Coming up on the show tomorrow, Teresa Staley, city council will be here. Thea Miller Ryan, and also the debut of a new weird friend. How awesome is that? This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.